Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you'll dial 702-650-5588 to join in on our discussion today. Again, you will dial 702-650-5588. If you're outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. That would be 800-366-8883. Again, if you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, like to join our discussion, you have a praise report, uh, you'd like to have a question, we'd love to hear it, 800-366-8883. We are being streamed live from KKVV's website, which is www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. We all wave to you. Again, their website is www.kkvv.com. We're also being streamed live from KKVV's website, excuse me, Save the Lost at All Costs website. Let me back that up. Our website is www.savethelostlv.org. Again, our website is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, feel free to go to our website. Again, www.savethelostlv.org. Select what you'd like to hear. The gospel is always free on our watch. We have wonderful, great resources there for you. Uh, just check it out. You'll get blessed tremendously. And please tell someone else about it. We also can be heard on iTunes, totally free of charge as well. We are on the AM dial in Las Vegas. That would be 1060 AM. And we're also on the FM dial, which is 101.5. Now, you know, I'm Sister Nina. Now, the person you see in the middle, that would be Senior Pastor Joseph E. Terry. Some say Pastor T. Some say Pastor Joe. He's always Pastor Terry to me. And how are you, man of God? Oh, blessed, blessed in the Lord. I had a great worship experience this morning with Unity. And, oh, okay. Uh, Pastor Giddings he preached his heart out. Well, praise I was God. Like, I was like, man, they're going to have to go up there and carry him off <laughs> if he keep going because he was going. And Amen. I mean, he was... He he wasn't he was stopping just long enough to take a, a breath. Amen. And he was going, but you know, preaching some very relative, you know, things and um, just talking about what we're dealing with in society today. And uh, it was a, it was a great message, um, and uh, it, it blessed me. So well, we we love Pastor Giddings and Lady Giddings and yes. that's Unity uh, Baptist Church and. God bless them and thank them for the work they've been doing in our community for a long, Amen. long time. Amen. And across from me, uh, my wonderful 
brother in Christ, my dear friend in Christ, that would be Brother Vernon Davis. How are you, man of God? I'm doing great, Sister Nina. Glad to see you, Pastor T. You're looking very, very healthy. Amen. Amen. Yeah, pastors are at home playing sometimes, right? (laughs) (laughs) I wish that was the case. (laughs) Well, we know that uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a healer. God God is able. Yes, yes, he is. So, brother, it's good to see you. And you you look healthy. You look great, too. So I'm glad that you're back. And God heard our prayers. And uh, I'm just blessed to have my two uh, men in Christ here. Uh, my dear friend, my mentor, and I'm ready to get to it. Uh, Pastor Terry, today we're going to talk about the secret weapon that we have, and the secret weapon would be the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Again, the secret weapon that we have is uh, the Holy Spirit. Now, this is only for those who are Christians. You don't have this secret weapon if you're not a Christian. If you're not a believer, it's not going to work for you. Would you agree, Pastor Terry? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I know that there's some people that... Uh, want to rely on their good looks. They mm-hmm. want to rely on their smarts. They want to rely on their wealth. They want to rely on their charisma, uh, their ability to run game, as some people say. Uh, those those are con artists. And that's what the world offers you. Amen. And there's somebody out there that can do it better than you, and they've been doing it a lot longer than you. Amen. Now, uh, so, and everybody gets old, and everybody dies. But this is not the case when you are a believer. The secret weapon that we have is the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at that. So, Brother Vernon, we're going to jump right into the book of Acts. And I want you to read uh, some verses that I want to open up people's minds. And then we're going to get back down into it. But these are verses we'd like to capture Uh, your mind and your attention and that you set your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is very, very powerful. It's going to help you tremendously. And we pray that you be obedient to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do what it needs to do in your life. Amen. Amen. Okay, Vernon, you're going to look at the book of Acts chapter one, and we're going to look at verse eight. Hey, the book of Acts uh, from the new King James version, chapter one, verse eight. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And that me person would be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who that me person is. Now I want you to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And, Pastor, that would be real languages, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in verse 4 where it says other tongues, mm-hmm. it is um, really referring to other languages. In other words, they weren't just speaking in one language. And now keep in mind that this is referring to a language they've never spoken before. And a lot of people, I was in a Bible study a couple of weeks ago, and I was trying to explain about why this book is called the Acts of the Apostles, because there are one-time events that will never happen again, so we can't use this book for doctrine. But in this case, heteros, heteros is what the word other there, 
would would be and it implies that they were speaking in several different languages and those languages as you read down would line up with the seven different ethnic groups that they were ministering to but the thing that fascinated everybody is that all of these guys were Galileans but they were speaking in other languages so when you are in the midst of a worship setting or whatever and somebody stand up and start speaking in tongues uh, right away you can know if what they're doing is legit or not because tongues is a sign of judgment goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 11 where they were building the tower, uh, the tower of Babel mm -hmm. and uh, God confused their language so signs first and foremost is an indication that there's a sign of judgment now I'm not talking about praying in the spirit which anytime you pray it ought to be in the spirit but folks who like to speak in tongues talk about praying in the spirit so that would be ecstatic utterances right? right exactly and paul talks about all of that over in first corinthians 14 did a whole chapter on that but that's why you need a good teacher right man a guy well there's some people that don't want to be taught and that's the thing that really it breaks my heart you know i've been in and just recently i've been in a setting where uh i told this uh head deacon at this church that i I was fellowshipping with that every church ought to have at least one formally trained individual, and it don't have to be the pastor. I mean, you know, it could be the minister of education or whatever in the church or Christian education. And he said, we don't need that. And so the, the deal is, is it's nothing wrong with not knowing, but it's something wrong when you don't want to know. When you want to stay ignorant, that, that that's that's a problem. Well, the thing is, is being obedient to the Holy Spirit Amen. when they're leading you. And guiding you, the Holy Spirit, you need to be obedient to it. And he's going to send you that that you need so that you can be in God's will. Amen? Right. Amen. And, you and, know what? And do the work. And I got one more verse for you to Before read. Before he do that, though, let him go back up and, and let's get verse 3 and 4 together. Because I want, I want to look so at the way this is worded. So we're going to back act, Acts 2, and you want him to read verses 2, 3, and 4? Is that what you're saying, sir? Well, he could. He could. He could read all three of them together. Okay, so yeah. we're going to Acts chapter 2. We're going back, and the pastor wants you to go up, Brother Vernon. So would you please read together verse 2, 3, and 4, sir? Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, in, in verse 3 where it talks about divided tongues, you see all of them was speaking in an ecstatic utterance. But they weren't all speaking the same language. In other words, they weren't all speaking a foreign language that was the same. They were speaking seven different foreign languages. What this is, this is an indication of when you know that it's supernatural versus, what do you call it, Christian-tainment? Is yeah, that what you call right. it? Christian-tainment. Yeah, that you know with the turn of events that occurred here that there was something supernatural, not natural. See, this wasn't of man, this was of God and it was supernatural well, this was the gift that he gave and here's the thing so, so the gift was given in chapter 1 and now we're seeing the manifestation of the gift in chapter 2 do I, do I have that right? right with authority 
Because if you go back to but one said, and eight. But he said you're doing it for me. Yeah. And we one know who that, who that me is, correct? Right, absolutely. And, and he's the one that's giving it, correct? That's nice. right. And, and, and So this is not a man thing. Is that what you're telling me? Right. But now remember remember now who, who the writer was in uh, for, for Acts. Um, it was Dr. Luke. If we go back to Luke 24 and uh, 49, if we go back there, we'll see uh, similar utterance as what we read in Acts 1 and 8. So you want to go there and then we'll come back to 2 Corinthians. 2449. 2449. So Luke is recording this. Uh, right. Chapter 24, verse 49 from the New King James Version. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Okay, so here... He's telling them that they've already received the promise. And the promise is what? They were going to be given this authority. Mm-hmm. Okay? Everybody wasn't given authority. That's the reason why, like, when you're reading from Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, and, you know, some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and then people talk about the fivefold ministry, and you have individuals that want to try to operate in all of those. Well, here's the deal. The real apostles walked when Jesus did. There was only one that didn't, and that was Paul. And he said he was born out of time. The real apostle actually either witnessed the baptism or the uh, resurrection or both. Paul was the only one that wasn't amongst those initial apostles. They had apostolic authority. Now, today, there's individuals that use that term because they are church planters, okay? They're launching churches. And, of course, we know that the word apostle, apostolos, is the word sent. It means to be sent. So they use that term. But then there are guys now who want to try and claim that they have apostolic authority. I can tell you now that they don't. And what they're doing is that they're giving because people... Because that particular a office was closed. They'll, that's right. So let's get that. Would you explain to our listening office, audience when I say that office was closed? Would you explain to them when I mean, what I mean by that, man of God? There were only 12 that were, were granted apostolic authority. Of course, we know Judas was eliminated. Amen. By his own doing. Then the 11 that were left were the only apostles outside of Paul who was um, like apostle born out of time. He wasn't he wasn't with that group, but he was still an apostle. And when we read his letters, he'll identify himself, and he will identify who appointed him to show his apostolic authority. Now, beyond that, there weren't any. Uh, anybody appointed as an apostle with apostolic authority because that was associated with the acts of the apostles. Uh, when you read the book of Acts and and the one-time things that occurred, that those things really occurred in the uh, the culmination of the birth of the church and and what happened or ensued. After that, after the birth of the church. And if somebody bared witness to it, we have to say this is Luke. 
-hmm. He was one of them, and then he was recording it. Right, right. And then the, the prophet, when we open up the word of God and we start reading, we're prophesying. Amen. But if you got people coming along saying, look, I'll give you your prophecy for the next year for 1295, 1295, uh, they're, they're imposters. They're liars. That's called prophet lying. Yeah. Prophet lying. Because we have the entire prophecy in the 66 books that make up the canon. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or I like call it the 66 shooter. Because it, it is loaded. Amen. And, and ready to fire. Amen. But from Genesis to Revelation is the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's all about him. But we got individuals who want to try and hustle scripture, hustle uh, using the name of the Lord. I mean, we know that the day will come that they will have to answer for that. But there's a lot of folks who get caught up in that and get led astray. And then when things don't happen the way they hope they would, then they lose it. And before you know it, then they're questioning the validity or let's say um, um, they, they, they're questioning the validity of the validity of Scripture. Uh, there are some other terms that I, I wanted to use but I'll, it'll come to me. And, and here's what we don't want. We don't want individuals ever questioning whether the words that they're reading in the Bible are from God or some man just wrote them because they've been told that by other groups. All I say is this. If you can find somebody who can give me an answer to something that was stated 4,000 years ago and it happened, how could it be a hoax? How could anybody set it up to where it's a hoax? Because nobody's lived long enough to do that. Amen. 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 So, yeah, we're talking about power, but we need people to understand that this is really the only power we don't we don't possess the power we access it Amen. we have access to the power we, we plug in the christ when we receive him then he grants the holy spirit may deliver but he grants the power and we have access to it and we can utilize it because we are in relationship with him amen and i, I need to i need people to understand that not religious this is not about a religion. This is about a relationship. It's the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. This morning, Pastor Gideon said that whatever it is, he just started calling it out. He says, all you need is Jesus. But there was something else. And I want to add this to it. If anybody's listening that was there, you have to do what Jesus says. Amen. Amen. I received that. Brother Vernon, I need you to go to 2 Corinthians. You're going to go to chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 21 and 22. And again, you're in the New King James Version. Absolutely. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and you're looking at verses 21 and 22. Will you read that for us, man of God? 
verse 21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. 22. Who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Sealed us. You see that? He put his seal on us. Wow. Look at God. It's amazing. Now, Pastor, I want to look at one particular person in Acts. And you're going to see another person emerge, Saul. And that was Paul before he had his transformation. Right. And the Holy Spirit is just magnificent as he works in this particular context. So we're going to look at a, a young man by the name of Stephen. And what was going on in the early church at this particular time? We're going to go to Acts chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. But Stephen was a young man of great character, and the people of God weren't taking care of the needs of the widows like they should. So uh, they were under Roman control. So the Romans admonished them and told them, you know, you need to take care of business. You need to take care of these widows. So the leaders of the house of Israel, the Sanhedrin at the time, um, as they thought they were. <laughs> okay, we got it. They're all in with the Romans. We'll, we'll take care of it. So subsequently, um, Stephen was a young man that pretty much was a waiter. He didn't have any special abilities or any special authority at this particular time. He didn't have any tremendous gifts, but he was a believer. And subsequently, because he was a believer, the secret weapon was the Holy Spirit that had fell upon him and was used mightily. So we are going to see how Stephen is used for a specific purpose at a specific time through the guise of the Holy Spirit. And the power comes from above. And we saw that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We saw that in Acts 2, uh, 3, excuse me, chapters, chapter 2 verses 2, 3, and 4. And we just saw it in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. So Stephen is a believer. And we are going to see how the Holy Spirit works in him, the secret weapon. So, Brother Vernon, I want you to read chapter 6 of Acts. Look at verses 1 through 6, and then I want you to jump down to 8. So just, let's do uh, 1 through 8, okay? Okay. And chapter 6 of Acts. Okay, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Two, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Three, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Four, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of this of the word. Five, and the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, 
Nicanor, Timon, Farminus, and Nicholas, a proselyte, I believe, from Antioch. Uh, proselyte. Mm-hmm. Six, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. The Holy Spirit was very pleased. See what Stephen was able to do? That's really, really powerful. Let's go back to uh, verse 5, Brother Vernon was reading off okay. those names. Mm-hmm. So we had uh, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. For those of you who may not know what a proselyte is, that's an individual who uh, starts to studying and worshiping uh, Judaism, but they're not really Jewish. Um, they're not. They're not a Hebrew. Amen. That's like Sammy Davis Jr. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look at, at verse eight again. What does it say, Brother Vernon? Verse eight. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And that power that they're talking about right there, Pastor, you told me there are three types of power. Right. So right, would right. you like to uh, give us a segue into the power? Because now we're going to get ready to go over to Chapter 7. But I want you to tell us about the power. Well, in, in, in many places, especially if you're reading from the King James Version, you can see the word power. And right away, we think of might or ability. And uh, that would be dunamis. And we get the word dynamite from that. But then there are more passages where uh, the word is really a reference to authority. And, and, and the word is exousia. Mm-hmm. But then there's also uh, places, especially in the New Testament, where it talks about um, dominion. And, um, and and that's the word kratos. But it, it might read power when you're reading from the King James Version. Okay, Pastor, I would like for you to read, uh, we're still in Acts 6, and I want you to read verse 9 up until 15, the end of the chapter, because something is starting to happen here. Okay. And we see that Stephen is operating under the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work. Amen? Amen. So that's why he has this power. Uh, earlier. Uh, but, but his character is something that we should have. Amen. Because he's full of faith. He's obedient. He's doing what is asked of him. He was selected. He didn't call himself. Some people call themselves. Did you did you miss that, Pastor? He didn't call himself. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I want you to know that. No knock, but this man did not call himself. Okay, now you want me to know it or you want the listeners to know you know you and I talk about this all the time amen amen what earlier though when I was there was a word that I wanted to use in reference to people uh, understanding uh, the validity of scripture and it was the word inerrancy 
Yeah. Um, I've heard that word. And that means that, yeah, infallibility, okay, so there's no errors and no mistakes. Amen. Okay, uh, even if you're looking at it from a grammatical perspective when it comes to um, the, um, when it it comes to uh, God breathing the word into those uh, prophets who spoke or the apostles who wrote, uh, then it's it's inerrant and, and infallible. Amen. Now, you said pick up at read, verse 9. Yes, sir, and you're going to read to the end of the chapter of 6, Amen. please. Amen. So we're in Acts chapter 6 still, yes. and verse 9, I'm reading from the New King James. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the free men, the freed men, or Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Verse 11. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Verse 12. And they stirred up the people the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. Verse 13. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. 14. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. Verse 15, and all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the face of an angel. So this council would be the Sanhedrin. Amen. So this would be the elders at the particular time. Yeah, this is the religious uh, judicial people or subjects. Yeah. And... um, So this is the Jewish leadership at the time. Right, right. But, you know, here's the thing that... I would like for the listeners to really get out of all that I read in those nine uh, verses nine through fifteen mm-hmm. that as much as they lied, and you know if people repeat a lie enough, then it starts sounding like the truth. But in verse 15, it says, And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Here's the one thing that I learned some years ago, and this was from somebody I knew. And they were talking about people who had uh, lied on them and created false accusations and things. And he said... False witness. Amen. amen. Mm -hmm. He said, The one thing I've learned and and i was told this by old preacher he says you can't chase a lie when people are doing all that stuff it is it's not going to be possible for you to make it back to all of the folks that have heard that lie and some of them received it as the truth so you have to put it in god's hands see this verse 15 here is a definitive example of how even in the midst of false witnesses and folks carrying a false 
message about you even to places you may not even go or to people you may not even know that God will vindicate you because he did it right here in verse 15 for Steve. Stephen didn't have to speak up and say nothing. It says as they looked at him, what they saw before them was the face of an angel. So if it's anybody listening, somebody has defamed their reputation, uh, have put out false information about them, have ruined their relationship with their spouse or uh, their companion or even their job. Or children. Or children or anything. Mm -hmm. Just know that if you do the right thing, amen. Amen. If you put it in God's hands, if you allow God to handle it, he'll do the same thing for you that he did here for Stephen. So as I see in the verses that you read, there's a problem with the council. And they're going to have to judge. Well, yeah, because they, they, they're, they're operating under false uh, uh, pretenses and, and, and uh, bad information. Right. So the issue here, as I understand it correctly, is that they respect Moses and God. Right. But there's a problem when Jesus of Nazareth appears. Because if we look well, that's, at that's true. If we look at verse fourteen, for we have heard him say, and I'm in the King James version, that this Jesus mm-hmm. of Nazareth mm-hmm. shall mm-hmm. destroy this place, shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. See, shall they But that wasn't true anyway, what but, they but, were but, saying. But they're very confident that who's going to do it. Right. Right. So I, I want us to follow this because now we're going to see Stephen because it was the custom of the Jewish people that when someone brought a charge against you you had a right to make confession so now he is getting ready to confess which means he has an opportunity to speak on his behalf because they're about to judge him amen so now we're going to go into chapter Before, chapter before we seven. do that, let's, yes, sir. let's go to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 2, verse 19. Okay. So we're going to the Gospel of John. Yeah, chapter 2, chapter verse two, 19. Verse 19. Okay, you're going to read it for us, Pastor? I'm going to read it. Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, that's what he talked about, destroying, mm-hmm. but it wasn't what they were talking about. I understand. Amen. Because you have to have ears to hear. Yeah. So they were making up a whole lot of stuff, right. which, you know what? You know, I, I heard somebody. Uh, I, I know they were spiritually dead. They couldn't possibly hear. I heard somebody talking a couple of days ago. And they were talking about uh, some drama that was going on uh, in one of the church bodies. And I thought about something that uh, some old church folk told me a long time ago. They said, if you're looking for a good fight, go to church. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't believe you can go to church, you know, but that uh, people 
that are listening might understand what I mean by that because we know that the church is not a place, Mm -hmm. but the people, the ecclesia, Mm -hmm. called out ones. But we know the church house. Amen. Amen. And uh, often there's a whole lot more hell going on in in, in those settings Mm -hmm. than people even realize. Okay. Amen. So now, we were going where? We're in uh, chapter 7. Mm-hmm. And, Vernon, I want you to read, uh, start reading. All right. Ready to start reading with verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the high priest said, Are these things so? 2. And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. Three, and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Four, then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. Five, and God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. 6. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. 7. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage I will judge, said God, and after they shall come out and serve me in this place. Verse 8. Then he gave them the covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. 9. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph unto, into Egypt. But God was with him. 10. And delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. 11. Now famine, a famine, uh, famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no sustenance. 12. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. 13. And the second time Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. 14. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. 15. So Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. 16. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamar the father of Shechem. 17. And when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. Verse 18. To another king arose who did not know Joseph. 19. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. 20. At this time Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. 21. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. 22. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. 23. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. 24. And seeing one of them suffered wrong, he defended and avenged them who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. 25. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. 
26, and the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting, and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren, why do you wrong one another? 27, But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? 28, Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Verse 29, Then at his saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land and of Midian, where he had two sons. 30, And when forty years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. 31, When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him. 32, Saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. 33, Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. 34, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come I will send you to Egypt. 35, This Moses whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? Is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. 36, He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. 37, this is what Moses, who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, and like me, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. 38. This is he who was in the congregation, in the wilderness, with the angel, who spoke to him on Mount Sinai, and with our fathers, the one who received their living oracles to give to us. 39. Whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt. 40. Saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, as for this Moses, who brought us out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. 41. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. 42. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? 43. You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch, and the star of your god, Rephan, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. 44. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he appointed, instructed Moses, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. 45. Which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out, before the face of our fathers, until the days of David. 46. Who found favor before God, and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. 47. But Solomon built him a house. 48. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples, made with hands, as the prophet says. 49. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? 50. Has my hand not made all these things? Verse 51, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised and heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. 52, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. 53, Who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it? 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. 55. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. 56. And said, Look, 
I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. 58. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Stop right there. Pastor, that was something, wasn't it? Yeah, it just retold the story of Moses' experience and then tied it into they wouldn't listen to who God had sent. You know, they had these individuals that were a type of Christ. They had Moses. Mm -hmm. You know, they had Abraham. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, well, after Moses, they had Joshua. You know, then they had Abraham. Uh, God just kept sending them, you know, these these heroes, these saviors, so to speak. They were the foreshadowing of the one to come. And then they didn't listen to them. Of course, you know, after Moses got them out of Egypt, they wanted to kill him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and then after, and here's the thing. But, but, did, be, did, but did, look, at verse 51, he's called them stiff-necked. Didn't, isn't that what Moses called them? Right, right. But But here's the thing. When you look at what he all that what he just read mm -hmm. is still happening right now. Right, mm -hmm. right, right now. But he, and, and people want to look at the Bible and say, "Well, that was what happened with those people back then." No, because there are individuals now. Jesus died, was buried, rose from the dead, and you still have individuals who won't receive the message. They deny that it happened. Matter of fact, it says that when it happened, that there was probably those descendants of the gods that were on their council were the ones who got together and tried to make it look like a hoax, lied about what actually happened and said that uh, disciples came and stole his body away and all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. And they had a centurion right there that they had posted uh, to make sure. Matter of fact, it was they two had of protection. Them. They had two of them. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. Now you have all these individuals who, who come to you with some other type of method of religion so that they can deny the deity uh, and uh, the divinity of Christ. And they want to give you a way out of what is the only thing that can give or that can grant or position you to have eternal life. Amen. And, and it's, it's so ludicrous how people fall for this okey-doke on a daily basis, you know, and it's like, the message is as long as you believe in something, you know, I mean, it's just like uh, when I go to the 12 step recovery groups and they talk about you choosing a God of your own understanding. It don't even say that in the AA book. It says God, as you understand it, meaning God is who he is, regardless of where you are in your understanding or anything else. He's who he is. And there comes a time where you reach a point and you understand who he is and what he does. And what he can do for you. And only he can. But so the, the, right there it establishes the, uh, the, um, the power of God. The omnipotence of God. Him being the only one truly that has all power and that can do anything. 
um, and if there was anybody else or anything else that could help you, you would already had help. Matter of fact, you wouldn't be in the shape you're in. I mean, Amen. don't get me started. So we, so we see Saul right here, correct? And, and Saul is actually Paul, but in this particular time in his life, he is Saul. Amen. And so let's look at 59 and 60. What did it take? Let's look at 59 and 60. 59, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What did Jesus say when he was being crucified? Forgive them, Father, for they know Amen. not what they do. Amen. Stephen could have called holy fire down on them for what they have done to him. He wasn't thinking about himself because he knew he was with the Lord. And it said he fell yeah, asleep. Yeah, he was sealed. See, yeah, right. And Amen. we read that in 2 Corinthians, right? Amen. So we have this going for us, Pastor. Amen. This is the secret weapon that we have going for us. And he didn't die. He fell asleep. He didn't say that he died. He, yeah. say, he said he fell asleep. That is something that's a, a gift to us because we will be awakened in Christ. Well, the truth is, it's, it's not a secret to those who believe. It's only a secret to the ones that don't believe because they have no clue of what they have access to because they have not surrendered themselves to Christ. That's all it takes. That's what Giddies was preaching about this morning. That, that That's the step. It's not 12. It's not 50. It's not 100. Uh, 1,200 is one step. Receive him and you're sealed to the day of redemption. Now the rest of it, if you want to live a life that is uh, the abundant life, then you'll do what he says. What what is he what he say over in John ten and ten? He said the thief comes to what? To steal, kill, and destroy. Right. He said, But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's saying, Look, you don't have to wait till you die to enjoy the benefits of salvation. You can enjoy it while you're living. If you live right. But but my thing is he was telling them the truth. He was not lying to them. And he said that their hearts were uncircumcised. Amen. And we're talking about spiritual stuff now. Right. And he said that was the problem in their ears and that they always resist the Holy Ghost. They was cutting, they was cutting off a lot of flesh. But See, <laughs> see that, that's the whole thing. That wasn't cleaning when, them up. When you have an uncircumcised heart mm -hmm. and you have ears that refuse to receive it, you're always against the Holy Spirit. Amen. It does not matter what your so-called position is. Brother Vernon, your character will speak. Your actions speak louder than words. First thing they asked him, was it true? And then he went on to tell them how it was true. He, he set them up beautifully. Mm -hmm. And they could have been convicted in their hearts, but there's not going to be a conviction, Pastor, because there was no relationship to begin Amen. with. Amen. Let me, so let me, let me say this we have before, to understand we, that. before we run out of time. This is really not about conduct. This is about position. When we are in right standing with God, or the word righteous really is talking about being in a right relationship with God, then we are positioned to be the heirs and, and to be the beneficiaries of that eternal life 
and all that comes with it. And people, I don't care how good you are because you have individuals talking about good people go to heaven. Well, that's a lie because we know Romans 3 and 12 says no one's good, not even one. Mm -hmm. So it says we've all gone astray and become unprofitable. There's none who does good, not even one. So if you're riding on that, you're in trouble because the Bible already said that nobody's good. So you're not going to get in on merit. You got to get in on your faith in Jesus Christ. He has to be the savior of your life. He has to be the Lord of your life. I'm not talking about people that want him to be Lord, even the ones that don't want him to be Lord. He is still Lord, but he's not going to be your savior if you don't ask him. He's not going to force himself on you. You got to hit your knees or lay on your bed, whatever position you in, whatever posture you in, you better call on Jesus and get him before you die because they can pray for you after you dead, but it's too late. Get him while your blood is still running warm through the veins in your body. Amen. And and they knew who Stephen was. And they knew who had sent Stephen. And they understood the power that Stephen was operating in. We need to be bold for those of us who are in Christ and carry the message, Pastor. We need to be obedient unto death. This is what this is about. This is what Save the Lost at All Costs is about. And watch what the Holy Spirit can do. Submit. Be faithful. Be watchful. Be prayerful. And do what the Holy Spirit has called you to do in a season called now. Stephen didn't miss his opportunity. And subsequently, we are better for it. Amen. God bless him. And I thank him for his obedience, Pastor. Amen. And I can't wait to meet him. Amen. Amen. So we thank you for tuning in today. We talked about the Holy Spirit, the secret weapon. Get it and enjoy it and see how it will move in your life. We love you. Save the lost at all costs. God bless. Amen. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit-filled, live-called-in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas 89033. 
All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.